Thank you, Pastor Marvin. Well, I understand there is, do they know what's coming at 6.30? Yeah. Okay, very good. So oh, I, no, they don't know. I don't know. Sh- should I tell them oh, yeah. what's coming? At, pizza's coming at 6.30. And I have never believed in the preacher getting in the way of good pizza. So we're going we're gonna to share this. Seriously, you can, um, um, what we're covering today in these sessions is probably 10% of what's in the book. And um, when I did the videos on this, it came out to 14 30-minute segments, and I felt like I barely touched this, the content then. So, um, But one of the things I, I said that, you know, I, I got that attitude problem going, and, um, you know, just the self-pity, feeling sorry for myself, being mad because Christians were messy and I had to clean up after them. If I'd had any sense, which I didn't, I would have been thankful that the church members were messy because that's job security for a janitor. I didn't even have smarts enough to know that. But one of the things that happened during that time is I, I got pretty critical. And um, again, I didn't get critical outwardly. Um, if you know, Outwardly, I was acting all polite because my parents taught me to be respectful. And that time. But you know, the fact that you act nice outwardly doesn't mean that you're necessarily being nice inwardly. And so on the inside, I was complaining a lot. And one of the things I remember doing was um, I was thinking, well, if I was the pastor, I wouldn't have said that. If I was in charge, I wouldn't have made that decision. If I was the pastor preaching, I wouldn't have said what he said. I would have said it this way. And it's amazing how when you've never done something, you're an expert on how somebody else ought to do it who's been doing it for years and years. But um, so uh, I told you that I had gone through that thing where The Lord said, I want you to treat this job as though it was your ultimate calling, as though it was the most important thing. And so, boy, I repented. I apologized to God, asked him to forgive me. And and, um, and I really got my attitude right, and I started serving joyfully and cheerfully. But, you know, I... I didn't, I didn't have the discipline or the maturity to do it long term. So I, have you ever made an adjustment, but then you slide back into the old bad pattern? I did that. And um, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, he loves us enough to not let us stay the way we are. When he corrects us, it's not condemnation, it's liberation. You know, he wants to, like D.L. Moody said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any other man I know. You know, we all have to learn to, you know, overcome the tendencies of the flesh and things like that. And so as I was going around criticizing, complaining on the inside, if I was the pastor, I would have done it this way and all that. The Holy Spirit spoke on the inside of me and said, if you were the pastor, what kind of janitor would you want working for you? I didn't even see that this thing is a trap. It was a trap, and I walked right into it. I said, well, if I was the pastor, that's just on the inside. If I was the pastor, see, now I'm thinking because of my ego. If if I'm the pastor, well, you know, what kind of people? Well, I would have a janitor who's, man, he's prompt. He always shows up on time, maybe early. He works late. Um, He hustles. He's cheerful. He treats his job as a ministry unto the Lord. You know, he cleans the building so it's immaculate and, you know, makes a great impression on first-time visitors. And, and man, I just, I began describing this janitor on steroids, you know, super mega janitor. Because, now listen, because 
the janitor is going to be working for me. So I want this phenomenal. So I'm describing this amazing janitor. And, and see, here's, here's where the trick came in that I didn't see it coming. See, I thought the Lord was going to say, well, I'm going to promote you to being a pastor and, and I'm going to surround you with all kinds of staff members just like that. But instead, here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. When I, when I got done with that mental list, he said, you be that janitor. Wow. It was like, ugh, getting punched in the gut. See, I, I got really inspired and excited when I thought about somebody doing that for me. But when the Holy Spirit turns this around, has the Holy Spirit ever asked you a trick question? Did you know there's a Hebrew name for God when he does that? Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> Jehovah Sneaky. He did that to me. He trapped me in that. And, and so you know what? I, I began, I repented again. Actually, I, I was mindful of a verse. Now, this is in the message version, which didn't exist at that time. But it's just the golden rule. And I like the way the message renders it. Here is a simple rule, thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. You know, what would you want, you know, if you, if you were the pastor, you know, what kind of givers would you want? If you were the pastor, what kind of uh, servers would you want? Things of that nature. And so I repented got my attitude right, kept my attitude right for another two weeks, and then boom, slid right back into the same old complaining and all that type of thing. And I'll never forget this. I was standing in the men's restroom, standing at the, the sink, you know, where you wash your hands. There were three basins, and I, was, I had sprayed the mirrors, and I was there wiping the mirrors down, and... Um, I was feeling, you know, I, here's the thing. I was doing my job on the outside, but I was complaining on the inside. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak. And he said this third time, he said, I want you to clean this restroom as though Jesus himself were the next person coming in here. How, how would I clean these mirrors? How would I clean these sinks? If Jesus was coming, man, I, I would want it so nice for Jesus. But see, so many times it's easy to forget. You know, we just think, well, we're just doing it for people. We're just doing it, you know, because, well, we signed up and said we would and things like that. But, you know, I love this in the bondservant verse, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers. Or don't just work hard when the boss is looking or when the pastor is looking, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. And I, I can't tell you that I never ever had another attitude problem after that. Um, you know, I was an assistant pastor for 22 years after that. And I remember years later sitting in a staff meeting and the pastor announced a decision. I thought, boy, I don't, that's not a good decision. I, I, if I was the pastor, I wouldn't do that. And, and the Holy Spirit said, if you were the pastor, what kind of an assistant would you want working for you? <laughs> and, but see, I knew this time. 
I said, okay, Lord, I, I don't even need to go through the deal. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go straight to repent, just straight and repent immediately. And so, um, so those were attitude adjustments that I had to make. And I, I think, um, you know, that element, you can have all the talent in the world, but the wrong attitude can make all the difference. You can have just average talent, but with a great attitude, you become such a, you know. And what are the attitudes we want? We want to have thankful attitudes, grateful attitudes. You know, the ability to find fault or to criticize is, it, did you ever notice it's not listed among any gifts of the Spirit? <laughs> And yet there are some people, they feel, I think they feel that's their, their gift of the spirit. Well, I have the ability to see what's wrong. You know, that's just my, I have discernment, you know. And um, no, that's not really what that is. Um, we we want to we be helpers and be thankful, be grateful, and help our pastor help the team. Let me share in, in our final minutes tonight uh, what I believe are some of the most important traits. And I use this term supportive ministers. And because I believe that every member of the body of Christ is called to be a minister. I didn't say a preacher, a minister. A minister, that word means servant. We're all called to be servants. And we're all called to support, you know, to lift, to encourage, to help others. So I think the number one trait that is most desired among pastors, and one of the reasons I say this is because I did an extensive survey among couple hundred pastors, and this was by far the most answered uh, response, uh, and that's loyalty. Pastors want people who are loyal. Great supportive ministers are loyal people. Jesus prayed in John 17. There are two things that Jesus prayed that are of particular interest to us today. I mean, everything Jesus prayed is important, but in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus prayed that there would be laborers. And, and, and that it, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he still wants laborers. And whenever you say, Pastor, I'm going to serve. Pastor, I volunteer. Pastor, I'm going to work. Did you know that you are an answer to Jesus' prayers? His prayer from Matthew chapter 9. And the other thing that Jesus prayed is that we would have unity. And whenever we walk in unity and just refuse to get into strife and refuse to get into fault finding and complaining and all that, whenever we walk in unity, we are fulfilling a prayer of Jesus. See, we, we and understandably, we want to find books and read books about how to get your prayers answered. But did you know that one of our big concerns ought to be how to be an answered prayer? how to be an answered prayer. And what I find is if we will apply ourselves to answering the prayers of Jesus, then God will have not much of a problem devoting himself to seeing that our prayers are answered. And when you, when you labor in the, in the Lord's work and when you operate in unity with your fellow brothers and sisters in the church, you are fulfilling the prayers of Jesus. You are an answer to his prayers. Loyalty to me comes in that unity realm because um, if unity is so important to Jesus, then disunity is very important to Satan. 
And he wants to drive a wedge of division and strife and competition amongst. And, and, and see, the thing is, the higher up you go in the church in terms of your influence, your responsibility, your position, um, the more potential you have of blessing the church, but the greater potential you have of being a problem to the church. When Satan really wanted to take Jesus out, he didn't go out on the periphery. He, he, went, he went to Jesus' immediate team and found somebody that would cooperate with him. The higher up you go, the more potential you have to be a blessing, but the more potential you have to be a problem also. And so when you get in leadership roles, influential roles in the church, you will face certain temptations to get you um, in disunity with your pastor and with the rest of the team and so on. I learned this um, after nine months of being janitor at the church. My wife and I, after our first year of Rhema, we did that all during our first year. And then we went to Australia uh, in the summer and we preached for seven weeks down there. We came back in, the aug- in August of 1980 and that's when the pastor asked me to be his assistant. And that's when I started reading First and Second Timothy about, you know, being like-minded to the pastor and being profitable to the pastor. And so the pastor takes me on some hospital visits because one of the things he's going to have me do, just like Paul sent Timothy to Philippi and Corinth to represent him, the pastor was going to send me to St. John's Hospital and St. Francis Hospital. I was going to go to the hospital and visit church members for the pastor. And one of the very first experiences I had, I mean, within this is in like within my first two weeks of being an assistant pastor. And I'm 21 years old, so I don't have any experience or anything. But the pastor, he took me on a handful of visits with him to with me to teach kind of the uh, ropes and logistics and all that. And then he gives me a list and says, Tony, I want you to go visit these people in the hospital went to what was the City of Faith Hospital back then uh, at Oral Roberts University, knocked on the door. This lady, probably 85 years old, uh, says, come in. So I walk into the room. I pull up a chair, sit down beside her hospital bed, and and, uh, she seems really grateful that I'm there. And she reaches out her hand, and 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 so I take her hand, and she, you know she's holding my hand, I'm holding her hand there, and and she begins to pat me on the hand. She's so sweet, just just so tender, and she says, "Oh," in the in the sweetest, most tender voice, she says, "Oh, brother Cook, I'm so glad you've come to see me." And I just immediately was just overwhelmed with this feeling of, "This is cool." You know, this is really neat. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting to be, you know, Jesus' representative here. I'm, you know, and I know the pastor has sent me, but, you know, I'm I'm getting to, you know, maybe she's been dealing with fear. Maybe she's dealing, and I get to, you know, I get to minister to her. This is so cool. She's so appreciative of my visit. And about that time, as she still continues to pat my hand, her tone of voice changes. Uh, not not really sweet anymore. It's kind of 
And, and she says, oh, Brother Cook, she says, I'm so glad you've come to see me. And, she, and then she said, and I want you to know, the senior pastor hasn't been by. And she's still patting my hand. And I'm thinking, what on earth just happened here? This was really sweet. And, and all of a sudden, it just got really creepy and weird. And, and I'm thinking... Now, what, what just happened here, and I realized she's telling me how wonderful I am. But she just took a shot at the pastor. That was, now, did she say anything, you know, horrible about, well, no. She didn't call him ugly names or she didn't outright, but, but what is, what, what's the implication of all this? You're wonderful because you've come to see me. He's not because he hasn't been here. And I'm just a 21-year-old kid. I don't really, I'm, I'm, my head is spinning and all that. But I knew that I had to do something about this because by implication, she just took a shot at the pastor. Now, if I had not had some semblance of character, here's what I could have done. Now stop and think about this. What if I had done this? See, she just paid me a nice little compliment. That's kind of nice and sweet. What if I had said, well, I could have started patting her hand back and said, well, dear sister, ah, I could have acted humble. Ah, I'm, I'm just here because I have a heart for the people. What did I just say? The pastor doesn't. See, I didn't say it. But the implication is, see, her implication to me was, you're here, you're wonderful, the pastor hasn't come, fill in the blank. So what would have happened if I'd said, well, I could have acted humble. Well, uh, dear sister, I'm just here because uh, I have a heart for the people. I would have been throwing the pastor under the bus. See, loyalty means that if the pastor trusts you enough to do something and send you, then you don't go and then make yourself look good at his expense. So here's what I did say. I take it into consideration. She's 85 and, you know, I'm not going to you know, just rebuke her harshly there and threatened to step on her oxygen tube if she doesn't repent or something like that. You know, the Bible talks about gently instructing those in hopes that they'll repent. And so I said, well, dear sister, I said, I, I'm really glad to see you. I said, do you know why I'm here? I just asked her a question. And, and it kind of caught her off guard. And she said, well, no. I, I said, well, I'm here because Pastor Beller, that's the pastor I work for, Pastor Beller asked me to come see you. I said, do you know why he asked me to come see you? She said, no. And I said, because he cares about you. He loves all of his church members. And I said, isn't it awesome that God has given us a pastor that knows that he can't necessarily be everywhere at once, but he's built a whole team. And I just happened to be one of those teams. See, I wasn't going to let her put me on some pedestal. I wanted to make sure she understood. I'm not here 
for myself or representing myself. And I said, he's built a whole team of, of people to help him love and care for the, the church. And I said, you're really important to pastor. And I said, now to, I said, I'm here today. I said, tomorrow he might be here. One of the other staff members might be here. One of your Sunday school teachers might be here. But I said, no matter who shows up in the room, I said, I want you to know, pastor's praying for you, the whole staff, we're all praying for you, and we all just are going to rejoice as God, you know, touches your life and helps you recover and things like that. So, uh, you know, uh, that's how I handled that. And see, what happens in a lot of cases is that somebody starts flattering somebody in the church. Oh, I like your preaching better than the pastor's preaching or something like that. And then they start getting the big head and then they start, you know, and, and what happens then you start getting division and you start, you know, getting all these things. And so we have to have loyalty, you know, where we're, we're part of the same team. And, um, and I'm not going to let anybody drive a wedge between me and the pastor. He's given me the privilege of, of representing him and the church. The last thing that I should do ethically, morally, and integrity-wise is to use that, use that privilege that he's given me to draw people after myself and to draw people away. So number one, Great supportive ministers are loyal people. Number two, uh, great supportive ministers have an excellent attitude. And I've talked about that so much, I'm not going to go into it other than to give you this fill in here. When we have an attitude problem, our natural tendency is to not take responsibility for or ownership of the bad attitude. Instead, we want to blame our bad attitude on some other person or some circumstance. We want to blame our attitude problem on some other person or on some circumstance. One of the survivors of one of the Holocaust, um, uh, the concentration camps during World War II, uh, German psychiatrist named Viktor Frankl, a Jewish gentleman, he said, uh, everything can be taken from a person except for one thing, the ability to choose. He lost it. I mean, he lost every material possession. His relatives were killed. Everything. He said, everything can be taken from a person except one thing, the ability to choose, the ability to determine what your attitude will be under any given set of circumstances. He said that is the last of human freedoms is our ability to choose our attitude. So um, number three, great supportive ministers are faithful people. What is faithful all about? Faithfulness is really, uh, you can just look at the other words, um, dependable, reliable. They're a person of their word. They do what they're what they say they're going to do. They fulfill their commitments. They're not inconsistent, erratic. Um, they, they do what they say they're going to do. You can depend on them. When, when a pastor gives a faithful person an assignment, the pastor can essentially forget about it. But if the, if the person is not a faithful person, the pastor's always thinking, I wonder if they're going to do it or not. I wonder if, you know, and 
And, and there's nothing wrong with follow-up and supervision and things like that. But when a pastor really has a faithful person, they can give an assignment. Uh, Joseph, when he was made a slave in Potiphar's house, and Joseph, when he was a prisoner falsely accused, um, the Bible says that Potiphar just turned everything over to Joseph and didn't have to think about it again because Joseph was faithful. The warden of the prison, Joseph began running the prison. And the Bible says the warden just, he didn't have to think about anything because Joseph was a faithful man, diligent to do what he's supposed to do. Um, number four, great supportive ministers play well with others. I'm going back to, did you have that on your report card when you were a little kid? Plays well with others. I don't, they took that off about third grade, fourth grade, and I'm going to tell you what. I, I Like when I was in high school, I bombed algebra. I mean, I bombed it. I bombed chemistry. I was terrible at those subjects. But this thing about plays well with others, they never, I mean, after about third grade, they quit doing that one. But that'll do, I view, my ability to get along with people has served me far better in life than anything I ever learned in algebra. <laughs> Having people skills. How we relate to those in authority that's the word submission. To people in authority over us, we have to have an attitude of submission. How we relate to our co-workers and peers, that's teamwork. And then how we relate to those under our supervision, I think I used the word diplomacy, but we could use the word leadership there as well, diplomacy or leadership. See, Timothy did really good relating to Paul. Paul. Timothy had no problem being submitted to Paul. Timothy had no problem relating to his co-workers. He got along with Silas, and he got along with Titus, and he got along with Mark. But where Timothy struggled was exercising authority and leadership. That's where Timothy had to really work hard. So you may not... I don't think people are naturally as good at all three of these. So you might have a strongest in one area and then have to work harder at others. I had for the longest time when I was young in ministry, I had no problem submitting to my pastor. I had no problem getting along well with my uh, the other assistants and things like that. But I had trouble giving instructions because I didn't want to bother anybody. I thought, well, you know, I just, well, I'll just do it myself. So I don't want to impose. And, and it was really a weakness for me. I, did, I wasn't a good supervisor because I, I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be bossy or whatever. But, you know, and I'm not saying you have to be bossy, all right? But, but when you're in charge of an area, you, you have to be in charge of that area. And it doesn't mean you need to be a harsh, brutal dictator, you know, but you can't be afraid to ask people to make commitments. You can't be afraid to ask people to show up on time and to do their job and things like that. So um, finally, number five, we'll say this, and then it's pizza time. Number five, great supportive ministers have a servant's heart. 
Great supportive ministers have a servant's heart. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, learn to serve. And notice Jesus didn't say, if you want to be great in the kingdom, shame on you for that aspiration. He told us how to be great. If you want to be great, be a servant. So we want to be proactive. That's what being a Timothy is all about. Whether it's a Timothy or a Timothina, um, the body of Christ works the way God wants it to work when leaders respond and then team members also respond and then they work together to get the job done. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for this church with, with Pastor Marvin and Patty, but Lord, thank you for all the churches represented here today. I pray that each of them will be able to take some of these things that we've communicated, really what your word communicates, and Father, help us to process that through our thinking, our lives, our structures, our systems. And Father, help us to have churches and relationships within those churches that reflect your biblical pattern where leaders will lead with with integrity and clarity and and purpose and followers and and staff and supporters and volunteers will will work as unto the Lord. And and Lord, we'll, we'll glorify you through servants' hearts, working together for your kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.